Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's your host, Brett McGrath, and it's Friday, and you know what that means. I'm bringing you a conversation with a collector that matters. And this time around, I got my man, Kevin Black Griffin Cards on IG, and he is talking about art. He caught my attention in the Basketball Card Fanatic, helping support that magazine, writing some really great articles about art and something that I don't think we talk enough about in the hobby. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, Hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend about Stacking Slab. Hopefully you've all had a good week. Getting ready for that weekend groove. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited for today's guest and topic. This conversation is going to be focused around art and art and cards. I think so much of cards these days is focused around the price of cards, whether it's going up or down, that sometimes we don't don't take a step back and kind of appreciate the aesthetic of the cardboard that we are collecting. So I am joined by the first guy that I thought of when I wanted to do this topic. I'm joined by, you might know him on Instagram as Black Griffin Cards. He is a, a contributor to the Basketball Card Fanatic. That's how I got connected in with him. Um, but without further ado, how are you doing today, man? Hey, man, I'm good. How about you? I, I cannot complain. I am uh, excited to be here and not uh, talking about software and technology and talking about cards. Um, coming from you from Indy, looks like you are in Brooklyn. Is uh, Are people out and about in New York right now or most people still uh, stuck in their apartments uh, because of COVID? Well, I'm stuck in my apartment, but most people are out and about. Um stores and uh, events that have people have some mandates in place, but um, in general, people are out and about. That, that's awesome. And, and good to hear a uh, city with that much energy. It's always good to have people out. Um, let's, let's maybe dive into the topic. Um, so I think I, I became a fan of some of the articles that you written in Basketball Card Fanatic just around art, and it lended a different perspective for how I thought about cards. It, it brought out some just great thoughts, topics, and memories. So let's maybe get into it. Um, just starting from the top, I think it'd be helpful for listeners to maybe understand kind of your background and your passion around art. Uh, yeah, sure. Like a lot of kids, I like to draw. I just, you know, kept going with it. Uh, the making part of art using my hands and has always come easily to me. And I like doing it. And it's been a source of self-confidence and always made me feel good about myself. Um, I went to undergraduate degree and a master's degree in fine art. And when I moved to New York in 2008, just got involved and have been in the contemporary art world ever since. That's awesome. And so then, uh, you know, you're in the contemporary artwork 
professionally, um, I guess, how does your artistic background take a hold in your over your collecting? Um, I mean, I know that most of our friends and all the readers of Basketball Card Fanatic know that I talk about why cards are art, but I look at everything in the world through that same lens. I don't just apply like a why it's art mentality to cards. I focus on the design of everything that comes into my life. Like every object I come into contact with, I apply that same critical thinking that I've spent my life sharpening. Um, and I use that every day, everything that I bring into my life. It's not even a choice. It's just the way I'm wired at this point. So when I look at cards or things in my collection or your collection, I just think about them as art. It, that That's uh, I think that's super interesting and and maybe a, a, I would say a differing perspective from, from most people. Um, Actually answered your question though. Yeah, go for it. I think that the most obvious influence like in the way I collect is through the way I curate or like control my collection. I get very particular about the cards that I want to have in my collection. Um, I stay focused on getting those cards and only those cards. And sometimes I get a card and I just know it's wrong. Um, Or I change my mind after a little while of thinking about it or looking at it. Like I realized adding that piece to my collection didn't go the way I thought it would, didn't impact it the way that I thought it would. Or sometimes I'll add something and realize this new edition means now that another card that I have doesn't fit the collection. Like it canceled it out. Uh, So I need to get rid of that. And I just can't hide it or put it in a different box or something. It needs to just go. Uh, It needs to completely be cleared of my brain. I love the how particular you are with your collection and you've got rules and guidelines uh, around it. Do you, do you find like, do you find yourself, you touched on a little bit, like getting a mail day coming in, something you maybe thought you wanted, thought you needed, maybe you bid on it, got it on eBay. And then when it comes, you look at it and you, you realize that, you know what, this isn't the, the card that I expected or the card that I wanted to put in my collection. This was a bad buy. Do, is that happened to you? It does happen for sure. It doesn't happen that often because I, I obsess over, I obsess over everything to be honest, but uh, I obsess over every card that I want to add. Um, but sometimes things move too fast and I can't obsess enough. So it gets like lost or goes too fast. And um, I get it. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't work. So, yeah. And I want to touch on like this. I, at, later on in the conversation, this idea of curation. Um, I think, uh, I'm, I think about curating collections and I hadn't really, like, I'd been thinking about that, then you wrote about it. So I want to get into that later on in the conversation, but, um, I guess just through your history of collecting, um, maybe what cards have you turned to over the years for, for inspiration? Like what hits those, um, all those check boxes for you on like, type of card are like, what are the pieces that you continue to turn to and are wowed by? Well, you know, I, I'm in awe over nineties cards, rare ones, non-rare ones. They're all, or not all of them, but a lot of them really, you know, knock me out. 
they're they're just great. Of Panini's cards, you know, I don't mean to sound like a snob or something, but really it the rarity is what I go for there because the design doesn't take enough chances. So the rarity is then what I'm drawn to. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And I guess that leads me into my next one with, you know, I've heard, obviously, if you look at, you know, 90s cards, inserts, um, just being at a show national, for instance, and walking and looking them in the showcases, like you stop in your tracks, you look at it, you appreciate it. And then, you know, on the Panini side, a lot of it looks the same. It looks like they they haven't taken a lot of chances over the course of a period of time. I guess you as the art guy, what what elements about those cards um, maybe on the 90s side in the inserts are what catches your attention and what stand out to you? Well, I guess it's the process involved in making them. Like it's so much more advanced. It's so intricate. Um, it's not just about color or the rarity. Um, and I don't just mean to talk about prism, um, you know, there really isn't anything in Panini that's, um, you know, really involving a lot of different processes of manufacturing. It looks like it's kind of all coming from the same place, if you know what I mean. To- totally. As, as, a, as opposed to like maybe um, some of the uh, arena designs and, and stuff in the past that people are still talking about today. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of all of that. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Panini too, don't get me wrong. If you look at my Instagram, you won't even see any 90s. It's just Panini. And, and speaking of your Instagram, I think like it's undeniable based on your, your username um, and just flipping through your page. You're a Blake Griffin collector. Um, I, I'd love to maybe unpack, maybe this is a little kind of getting off of the art topic for a little bit into the player collecting topic, but kind of what's, what's your story and connection with Blake Griffin? I don't know if it's completely off, but to be honest, collecting Blake Griffin started off as an affordable way to keep me busy while saving up for the right Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman 90s cards to become available. You know, I only show my Blake Griffin on IG, but I have other stuff. And Blake was a way for me to collect a current player and stay active with the new cards Panini was making. Uh, in 2012, when I got back into the hobby, Blake was my favorite player to watch. So I just picked him to collect. Like I didn't even, I didn't overthink it. I didn't, the hobby wasn't as complicated back then. Nobody mm-hmm. was, I mean, not nobody, but I definitely wasn't concerned about investing. I was having fun. Uh, still, I'm having fun. I don't give a shit about investing. But over the years, Blake himself, like through collecting him, that started to mean a lot more to me. You know, experiencing the thrills of his height of the height of his career in LA and then empathizing with him through his injuries and his time in Detroit, where I'm from originally, uh, I've developed an attachment to him in the same way or a similar way that I was attached to Jordan and Rodman as a kid. Um, and, you know, connections like that are a more, more of a rare treat to experience as an adult. And I don't really think that I could do it again with a new player. So totally. And I've only, I I only really collect his one of ones. I mean, the first card that I ever bought of Blake was his gold prism 2012. Um, I saw it on eBay and I just, just bought it, you know, 
um, didn't know what that was going to come. You know, there was a time when that card was probably worth 50 bucks too, you know? Um, but collecting his one of ones has been a special pursuit to me because I felt like he and a bunch of other similar level of players were underappreciated and their cards were underappreciated. And I wanted to build a collection that demonstrated that a player collection of players other than Jordan or LeBron or Kobe or just the hottest rookies can be a prestigious pursuit. And the player almost doesn't even matter. Um, it's the cards that matter and which cards you pursue and accumulate. And there's nothing like a pride of ownership of a one-of-one. One. Maybe there's a few exceptions, but a one-of-one one just really feels great to own. Do you have any one-of-ones? I, I actually, I, I don't. And I have come close a couple times, but a lot of people who are, you know, there's the, some people say, I've heard, you know, some people say, well, one-on-ones aren't really for me, which I don't really understand that. And then some people like you just get deep in the weeds on the one-of-one train, which I can appreciate. But like, for me, as someone who's not zeroed in and focused on that, the right opportunity, I guess, has never really presented itself. But um, based on your focus, it sounds like, you know, being lasered in and zeroed in on not only Blake Griffin check, but then the next qualifier, it being a one-on-one check, and then probably a card from an artistic perspective that you appreciate, um, then you can just, I, I can understand quickly how you get lost in that rabbit hole. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand who doesn't want a one-on-one. It just doesn't. <laughs> It just doesn't register with me. Like, who doesn't want a one of one? But, you know, maybe an investor because, you know, gold tens, right? Everybody loves a gold fucking 10. <laughs> that because um, it's still low numbered. So there's 10 other people who could have one. And it's the competition with the others that drives them up. Like that, that point I understand, right? Uh, where if somebody has the one of one, like it may never leave, right? So, it's hard to value. Yes. And I think that it's hard to value and it's hard to buy them and it's hard to sell them. Right. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing like them. You know, it's the closest thing to art, not from a visual perspective, but from a collecting perspective, it's the closest thing to art because most of the art that anybody wants is a singular object. It's a one of one. Right. And that's where I spend my days. So it fits. It it totally. And I think, I think, line there. yeah, I, th I think what you hit on uh, people who might not want the one of ones, maybe don't pursue them because there's not a comp, right? There's not a, Hey, I can sell this, you know, two or three years down the road, or I'm waiting for this next comp to sell. Um, it's almost like you, you buy the one of one because it's a, a piece of art. It's one of a kind, and it's something that you can sit and appreciate over your entire life. Yeah, and you can hold it over everybody else, too. You know, like, you've got it. Who are you? You don't have it, you know? Totally. Not, not that like that, not that that part is really something that drives me, you know, because maybe nobody even wants a Blake Griffin card. But <laughs> I just think it's, it's nice. So, so ba based on just, like, you talked a little bit about Panini and you've got Panini cards, but you've said, you know, the, the design maybe in the, the art, um, you can't even, it's like comparing apples to oranges with some of the nineties cards. Uh, I guess, do you think like Panini and other manufacturers have lost sight 
in the importance of art and cards over the course of period of time? Like, how do you diagnose um, just the innovation that's happened on the art side with cards? Like, no, I don't, I don't think Panini has lost sight of it. I don't think, um, I think that Panini thinks mostly the same way card manufacturers like Arena Design thought about art's relationship to cards in the 90s. I've never spoken to a card designer aside from sharing like a few short messages with Gene uh, over social media. But I think the way they see art's influence in sports cards is strictly formal and superficial. They incorporate basic art adjacent ideas like color and shape, and they mistake artistic for art when they aren't the same thing. I think that art, like art with a capital A, happens in cards only accidentally. Uh, For a card to be art, there needs to be a conceptual foundation to base a design upon, not just including some generic quasi-artistic elements. For example, if someone says uh, color blast is art, why do you think it's art? Because it's really colorful? Sure, color is one of the seven elements of art, but being colorful alone doesn't make something art. I'm not even saying color blasts aren't art. The the, the thing about those that I think is most interesting is the relationship it has to religion. Like, I can't think of another card that references a religious thing, except maybe like those immaculate Christmas Day jersey swatches, but that's a different thing. Like, the fact that color blasts depict the Indian... A uh, celebration of Holly, or I may be mispronouncing that, but you know, where they throw brightly colored powders at each other in the streets is something special and unique and cultural. Like, I don't know if um, it's just appropriating imagery and maybe that is just inappropriate and not related to art, but that's something I'm like trying to talk my way through. Most of the time, in my opinion, there needs to be some sort of subversion to count as art in cards something that makes me question something. So there might be something there on Color Blast, honestly, I haven't thought about it. But the thing that designers at Panini haven't done successfully as, say, arena design is take risks. I think most, uh, I think in any creative field, actually, taking risks yields the best results. And while I don't think arena design thought that the things they were making would be considered pieces of art by anyone, Uh, or that their cards had a direct relationship with modern art or contemporary art or conceptual art. I think the thing that they, that they did was they took huge creative risks. Uh, And that's what we notice. That's what we are drawn to is their creations and the risks they took that allow someone like me, the opportunity to evaluate them as even if they didn't think they were going to be art, they give somebody like me the opportunity to view them as art. Or if you don't take any risks, they can't be viewed that way. Keep in mind, like an artist's intentions are rarely important to how their art is viewed or evaluated, right? The most important thing is if it stirs some sort of response within the critic or the viewer or the owner of the piece. The people looking at the creations care mostly about what they are getting from it, not what the artist intended them to get because they're hardly ever the same, right? That doesn't, so if, if it doesn't diminish arena designs, intentions or accomplishments 
if they just thought, well, I, I like red and green shiny things, I think it's pretty, so I'll make that. Uh, and didn't think about how they were going to subvert the whole genre of sports car or how uh, the moves that they used in sports cards borrowed and participated in our history. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love that. There, There's so much to um, unpack there. And I think it's almost for listeners just listening to that and listening to your thought process and going through that. It's got my head in a new space uh, thinking about just comparing and contrasting and just thinking about taking risks and taking chances and maybe something from the past that we appreciate and maybe something that we can see more of in the future because there's a lot of changes obviously happening in the industry. And I guess just with that, like, do you think with like some of these changes with the fanatics news, do you, obviously we don't have a crystal ball. We can't speculate, but are you overly, you know, are you, would you say optimistic or pessimistic based on just that big news totally, that dropped? Totally optimistic. Change is good, man. Change is always good. A decade and a half is long enough, you know. And honestly, those those Panini designers will probably end up working in some way for at Fanatics. But I honestly wish it started immediately. Um, even though I think Panini has done a great job in their tenure, uh, I think it's important to let new people inject their opinions and talents into the field. I mean, maybe they'll totally fuck it up, but it's worth a worth taking the risk and making the change in my opinion. I'm excited. I share in your excitement and I think I'm with you too, that it seems like it's going to be a long wait just in anticipating and seeing what's, what's going to happen on the other side of it. Um, maybe, maybe let's shift over to uh basketball card fanatic. Give Adam a nice little plug. I know he likes the plugs oh, here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I, I think, you know, I, I got issue number one, read through it, saw your name. And I think Adam put a note in there thanking you for the design work. Then I followed up and would read your articles about art. And it put, like I said, it put my head in a different space. So I think like how we, how is your involvement in the, the BCF impacted just your overall involvement in the, in the hobby? Like, what would you say it's done for you? I don't know. I don't know if it's changed. I mean, you know, I might get a few more DMs, you know, there hasn't been a notable impact. I'm not even sure people know I'm part of basketball card fanatic magazine other than, you know, maybe they read Wyatt's art and I have a, like a few fanboys who show me love from that. But otherwise I don't think people really associate me with the magazine, but I'm happy about that. I'm pretty quiet. I don't really like attention. Adam is a, a great figurehead and, does you know almost all of the work? I basically just get him coffee. So I I'd, I'd say just to give you some credit that I feel like the magazine has. So you need that yin and yang in any relationship, and the magazine certainly I think it continues to stand out and look great visually. Um, that's one thing that I think anyone um, who reads it monthly um, would would speak to. And I, let's let's talk about just why it's art. I want to get into your collection and talk about that article specifically, but maybe give me and listeners just, was it a Adam saying, Hey, I want you to write this piece regularly. Like, were you like, I want to write this piece, share some perspective on how, why it's art got started in the magazine. Sure. Yeah. Like, so I've known Adam for a few years, you know, we've done 
some deals back in like the blowout forum days, which I don't even look at anymore. But, you know, he when I when I joined uh, blowout forums, he was one of the loudest voices uh, there, if not, um, you know, I don't know if that's giving him enough credit because he's a great basketball card mind and his opinions and the way he thinks about cards is it leads our hobby. But um, when he wanted to make the magazine, he reached out to the community to see if anybody could help him make the cover. And, you know, I do this stuff all day long and said, yeah, I'll help you make the cover as long as it's not for profit um, or you try and help out somebody else, I'll help you make the cover. So I helped them make the cover. And after I did that, I said, Hey, you know, I would um, love to write something. If you think that you'd want me to write something about why I think certain cards are art, then I'd love to, I'd love to write that. And he said, yeah, do it in this issue. So I hurried up, went home, wrote it, sent it to him. And, you know, the overachiever I am, I, uh, in, you know, made a layout in Photoshop, like with the text. So I sent him a layout, like with images and really, you know, you know, nicely laid out <laughs> and um, sent him that for the text. And he included it in his Microsoft Word issue one uh, document. And then for issue two, he said, hey, do you want to design issue two? I think that it could be, it could use a step up. Like I saw what you submitted to me. And I think that issue two could be better if you did it. And so he sent me all of the articles that he got from all of the contributors. and told me not to go too crazy in case I didn't want to do issue three. So kept it as close to issue two as possible. Just made a little bit of headers. And eventually it evolved to him asking if I wanted to write why it's art every month and design the layout for every issue going forward and become part of the team. So I said, yes, obviously. And I think uh, I'll, I'll speak as a subscriber. I'll speak. Uh, I pr I'm glad that story was shared and I'm glad you are a part of the team. And you wrote literally one of my favorite pieces of content that I've read in the hobby. Um, I don't know. It's just with people's writing, people's art, people's whatever the creative is, like certain people connect with certain pieces. And um, I was at a place where I was thinking about my collection and what, what made it, ha what made me happy. And I was evolving and uh, you wrote kind of this, you, your collection piece and it was regarding curation and you compared it to the art world. And I just remember like, I read it once and I was like, Holy shit. Like, this is like, so all these thoughts that are in my head right now, this guy just like put them down and drafted them in this very well tight put together article. And I read it again and I was just like, man, this is so good. And I think I probably shot you a message that I enjoyed it so much. But where did it like maybe people who haven't read the article, which everyone should go read the article and find a way to do it. Subscribe if you need to. Like what was going on in your head as you were crafting that article and kind of what were you trying to get out of it? I mean, issue five was a long time ago. That was an issue five with Spinatron on the cover and the interview. Uh, I, I still think it's one of our best ever. 
It had Lucky Shows article about it's a- God, that was <laughs> so amazing. Um, but I, I'll try to sum it up best I can. Um, yeah. I was trying to relate card collecting to art collecting, but got off track a lot of times. I wanted to convey the importance of the importance and the prestige being a card collector could ultimately be if you fully commit yourself to the tech. Like that if you try to learn everything you can and allow your collection to become an extension of yourself and your interests and your knowledge and the act of collecting can be an art form in and of itself. Like a curator curates art, they're almost considered artists and it's a whole profession in its own. And I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to accomplish and I'm not saying that I've accomplished it. Just to me, that that's the highest level to shoot for. And I understand most or almost all of us don't have the time or the money or whatever in our lives to collect at that level. But I think it's something important to be aware of, that the commun- that our community is aware of, that idea, and to know that that level of collecting is possible. You know, it was important to me to, different- to differentiate the ideas of just gathering cards that you like together and curating a collection with true focus and direction or creating a collection that just makes a statement. And I'm not talking about a statement like, I'm rich, look at, my, look at all my Michael Jordan PSA 10s and my Zion RPAs. Like I, like I got 10 Zion RPAs, look at that. You know, that's not a statement. Uh, what does your collection say about you personally? And what kind of story are you telling either about yourself or about the world uh, or about sports cards in general and history? Uh, It was to say like, yes, collect what you like, but think deeply about why you like it. Find that source and stay there, stay focused there. Um, Don't just keep assembling things that you have a crush on, you know? I love that. Yes. I uh, collect with intention, collect with purpose. And I encourage anyone again to find that article and read it. Um, you're right. Number five was awesome. Um, uh, anytime uh, G gets in involved, it's always, uh, I always have water or coffee or diet Coke or whatever I'm drinking uh, coming through my nostrils after, <laughs> after I'm done. His voice is so deep and smooth too. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. And it's like that in real life too. Cheese voice. <laughs> when I, when I, when I, he was the first, literally when I got into the national, I was walking around and I, I heard, I can't, I can't even, I can't even impersonate it without laughing. I heard his voice and, and I turned around and he's literally the first, Hey, hey yo, bro, I can't even do it. Uh, <laughs> uh Maybe you you mentioned the catchphrase everyone says, and maybe we close it out with this, man. Um, people say collect what you like all the time. How big of a role or influence do you think art has on on that phrase? Uh, maybe from your from your perspective, from your perspective and the the greater good of the hobby. I mean, I don't think really any. I think people are drawn to what they like for so many reasons, and that art is really not one of them. I think beauty is. You know, I think colorful, thoughtfully designed cards play a big role in us liking something. Uh, But with cards, there's so many things happening. Market-wise, value, hype, which player, which team, certain card brands that all play a role in like perverting 
collect what you like um, in, you know, in quotes that art, I don't think is really on the forefront of anybody's mind, at least the way that I'm thinking about it. I I think that's good, man. I certainly will say just like the perspective that you offer is unique and it's really good. And I, I, it's what I try to, I try to bring out unique perspectives and really appreciate the time. Everyone go check out Black Griffin Cards on IG and go support the Basketball Card Fanatic. There's a lot of really good articles in there that'll get you to think about how you collect. Thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to get you back on here to, especially when we get, when we get some, uh, maybe some shakeup with the, uh, with the fanatics news and we get a fallout and we got something to chew on. Maybe we can have another conversation around that. All right. See you in five years, man. (laughs) Take care. I could have gone deep in that topic. I loved his insight, his mentality and perspective when it came to all things art. That is something that I'm going to be talking a lot more on this platform and hopefully we can get that conversation going. Not just about the money, baby, about that art. These are pieces of art that we all own and collect. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back next week with more Stacking Slabs. As always, peace out. Peace out.